you shall receive, seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Now with those two verses, let me introduce to you the four P's of success. Pray, plan, participate, and produce. Ask, that's prayer. Seek, that's planning. Knock, that's participation. You shall receive, you shall find, and it shall be added unto you. Uh, that's productivity. And notice that the end result is guaranteed by the Lord. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Ah, marvelous indeed, and assurance from Emmanuel. But let's talk about those individually briefly tonight. Prayer. Let me ask you something. Do you believe in the providence of God? Now, I'm sure you do. God's providence works in the lives of all men. Ah, but it works especially in the lives of his children. Have to be very careful, though, about our blessings from the Lord. The way we serve him is in humility. As I've often said, in Christ, the way up is down. He who would be first among you, be your minister. He who would be great among you, shall be your servant. So then, these blessings from Jehovah, our recognition of them is made manifest in our humility and our kindness toward others and our speech that is productive of better feelings, good relationships, an extended hand that will help the downfall. That's the way Christianity is made manifest. Not like the farmer who decided he'd go over and visit his neighbor next to him about a mile away. They both had large farms. So he mounted up and as he rode through the lanes and the paths, he noticed his neighbor's crop, lush. Oh, everything just coming on perfect. Marvelous. Unless some unusual thing happened, he's going to have a bumper crop. Ran into the yard, dismounted through the ranch over the hitching rail, and the first thing he said to his neighbor was, well, I see that Matthew 5, 25 is true. God does send rain on the unjust. I'm just, you're unjust. Think of what an excellent opportunity such would have been. Speak of the love of God, his abundant blessings, fertility of the soil, the rains at the proper time, Oh, how wonderful indeed the providence, the goodness of God. You know, if there were no providence, there'd be no point of praying that prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, do you remember what he told them to ask for in verse 11? Give us this day our daily bread. Someone said, well, my preacher, I know where my daily bread comes from, the alacrity, the strength, the skill of the old right hand. I work for my daily bread. You are forgetting something. Behind the loaf, the snowy flour. Behind the flour, the mill. Behind the mill, the wheat and the shower. And the sun and the Father's will. Don't you ever forget James chapter 1, verse 27, verse 17. 
Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation, neither shadow that is cast by turning. We are totally dependent upon our Heavenly Father. And I need to recognize that in humility. I remember that Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 16, Be not righteous over much. Hey, Solomon, are you telling me that I can be too righteous? No, no, no. What he's saying is, do not flaunt your righteousness. Let it be made manifest in a humble disposition that serves other people. That's why Christ came. Oh, no. Not to be ministered on to, but to minister. And to give his life a ransom for many. And I remember that he said, I believe in John 13, 34, and you command to give unto you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you should also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one another. Ah, yes, uh, what kind of love did he have? Sufficient to die for a sinner, such as I. And whatever the need of my fellow man, I need to recognize the fact that Christianity, supported by the providence, the grace, and the goodness of God, is to serve the people of this own world, reaching out to the souls of men and women. Ah, yes, wonderful indeed, servants. Do you call in Revelation chapter 5? John found himself in the throne room. He that sat on the throne had a roll of book, fast sealed with seven seals. And there was none found in heaven on the earth or under the earth worthy to open the book. And John said, I wept much because none was found worthy to open the book. But one of the twenty-four elders said to him, We not. The wine of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book. And John said, I looked in a, a lamp as it were slain from the foundation of the world. The only way you can be a lamb in the service of God Almighty is to be a lamb that's willing to die for the truth that you uphold and seek to make manifest. That's it. He can't use the top gun. Come on. It's in humility. Christ came to serve, and that is my privilege in this old world. Pray indeed. Oh, I need to pray unto my father on a regular basis. Elijah was a man of like passions with us, <clears throat> and he prayed fervently that it might not rain upon the earth. And it rained not for the space of three years and six months. He prayed again. The heavens gave forth the rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Marvelous, isn't it? Well, yeah, but someone said, Preacher, God had a hand in that. Absolutely. That's what he's talking about. As a matter of fact, the preceding verse, verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much in its working. Elijah was a man of like passion. He used that as an example of the power of prayer on the part of God's children in the Christian age. No, no. God doesn't work miracles today. God can do anything he ever did with a miracle, without a miracle. I need to pray to him under all circumstances. Depend upon him to provide for me.
highest. Let me call it Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. He taught them a parable to the end that they ought always to pray and not to faint. That's an unusual verse. Why would he say you ought always to pray and not to faint? Understood human nature. You know, if we aren't careful, we pray to God about circumstances that exist. And it doesn't seem like any change is made. I mean, you know, I get in a tight spot sometimes, I pray to the Lord, Sack! I want him to change this thing. Hey, he doesn't do it that way. You see. You see, God knows the end from the beginning. More importantly, he knows my makeup, and he understands exactly what it takes to build spiritual strength. Are you aware that the hardships and the difficulties of life are far more valuable than the blessings that come along and the ease with which we do certain things? Indeed. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into manifold temptations, knowing that the proving of your faith worketh patience, and let patience have its perfect work. Hmm. Count it joy when you fall on a manifold temptation? Right. Oh, it's in resisting the negative circumstances of life through the power of faith that we grow. Patience works. Ha uh ha. -huh. Patience, that word everywhere it appears in this American standard as a footnote. That footnote for the word patience says steadfastness. And that means keep on keeping on doing what you know to be right if the whole world is against you. What enables me to do that? Smacking old Satan every once in a while and walking over the problems that he places before me and by the power of faith overcoming the negative circumstances of life. God knows what I need. He doesn't always answer my prayer in the way I think that he should. But there has never been a prayer prayed in harmony with the word of God. But that received an answer. But if we aren't careful, some people get the idea that since God didn't do it like I thought he should have done, they say, well, he doesn't hear me. He doesn't pay any attention. The first thing you know, they're not praying anymore. Taught them a parable to the end that they ought always to pray and not to faint. Uh, Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, I desire that men pray in every place, lifting up holy hands without wrath and disputing. Now, he's not telling you what to do with your hands. If you want to lift them up when you pray, that's fine. That's all right. Remember what he's saying out of a pure life. Pray to God, lifting up holy hands. Emphasis on the hallowed, upon the holy, the pure life. Pray unto God. It is remarkable, the power of prayer. You know, if nothing occurred that you can observe with the physical eye, if you could not see in this natural world how God answers your prayer, if you are faithful to God and you love him, it changes your heart. It will change your life from the inside out. Watch and pray as you fall under the temptation. Oh, yes. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In Matthew 26, verse 41. Watch and pray. Ah, yes. Easy to yield to Satan in this whole world because I'm a physical being in a physical world. However, that's not primary. 
I'm an immortal spirit in a negative world dwelling in a temporary physical body. I need to place the emphasis where it belongs. You see, in Genesis chapter 1, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, the beast of the field, over all cattle, over all creeping things, upon everything that creeps upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. So we're made in the image and the likeness of God, right? Oh, but Jesus said in John 4, verse 24, God is a spirit. Then he explained in verse 39 of Luke chapter 24 that a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. Well, then I don't look like God. Why should I not? Friend, you and I are the mortal spirits until God dies. You and I will live. But God won't die. You get the picture. It's saying, These shall go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. That's the last verse of a scene of the judgment that begins in verse 31 in Matthew chapter 25. The word eternal is descriptive of the duration of both places. Oh, wait then. I need to recognize who I am. Physical witness. Oh, no. This thing's wearing out. I'm a spiritual being possessed of the power of choice, made in the image and the likeness of God. You ever wonder why in the perfection of the Garden of Eden, God, of course, he put the tree of life there, Adam and Eve could eat on a regular basis, live forever. Oh, but also in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God warned Adam, verse 17, Genesis chapter 2, thou shalt not eat thereof. For the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Why would God, the epitome of love, mercy, and grace, and goodness, I mean, why would he put that tree in the midst of the garden in the first place? Picture back to Genesis 1, doesn't it? When it said, let us make man in our image. Oh, an immortal spirit possessed of the power of choice. Indeed. Had to have a choice. <coughs> Life or death. We don't have two trees today, but we have the same choice. There's a heaven again. And a hell to shine. You're shot. Don't miss. Ask this way but once. Yes, sir. Oh, I need to pray for him regularly. I need to know of my total dependence upon my heavenly father. You know, it's amazing. People in this old world, we get go around and scared and troubled about this, that, or the other. I'm a child of the omnipotent omniscient and omnipresent God. That's the all-powerful, all-knowing and everywhere all the time. And he loved me enough to send his son to die. And I received the benefit of that shed blood, cleansed from my sin. I'm a child of God. What then? If you sent me to worry. Oh yeah, Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 makes that true. And nothing be anxious. But in all things, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The result of hope and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? I can be happy in this life under those negative circumstances. Pray. 
I remember 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Now I think we've talked about that. Not necessarily in the posture of prayer, or but in full recognition of the fact that my life, whether good or bad, whether night or day, totally dependent upon God. He's the first thought in my heart when the negative circumstances occur or when I'm blessed with an unusual blessing. Give thanks to God. If we could just remember that, continue to be the happiest people in the world. Ha <laughs> ha, You recall Romans 8, verse 28. Paul said, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and to those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Yes, I'm a sister, preacher. You don't have to alter that all things. I know some things that have to change God's word. Every word of God is tried. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Had thou not unto his word, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Proverbs 30 and verse 5. What do you say, Paul? And we know that to them that love the Lord, all things work together for good. No more. Not necessarily the physical things of this world. Oh, but that's why Jesus said, Fear not him who can destroy the body. After that happens, more that he can do. But fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Oh, then recognizing the fact that I am an immortal spirit. I don't have to worry about the material things that occur here. All I need to do is to talk to my father. And he's standing right here. Omnipresent. Everywhere. All of the time, he knows exactly what's taking place. The hairs of my head are all numbered. He knows the thoughts of my heart. Ooh, friend, the peace of mind, the contentment, the happiness, the fullness, the joy that comes if we will fully recognize his love for us. Pray to him continually. Many people forget God. You know. Do you remember why Moses failed to enter into the promised land? I mean, just one time, one time he forgot God. And you remember, of course, the situation. In Numbers chapter 28, dropped in the water, and these people who were the chosen people of God, all they had to do was talk to their father, he sent them no. Well, they cried and complained, they're ready to stone Moses, set up a new leader who will take them back to the slavery of Egypt. And from the human standpoint, I understand Moses' attitude. Moses, if anybody is provoked with God's people, you let it be God, you'll get in trouble. God said to Moses, take thy rod, stand before the rock, speak to the rock, and the water will come, the people will drink, and their cattle. Moses stood before the rock. And he said, see, rebels, shall we bring forth water from this rock? And he smoked that rock twice, and the water came. When the people drank, God said, because you fail to sanctify me in the eyes of this people, you will not enter the promised land. Just one time. Moses was faithful in all his house. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2. He led God's people for 40 years on a waste howling wilderness and did a good job. One time. You remember Joshua did that same thing? Joshua chapter 9? Give me a nice. They knew what God was doing with the children of Israel, wiping out the wicked people that occupied that land, and that land was given to the children of Israel. 
and give you a nice opportunity sometimes. Coming up, ooh, they thought they knew something about this. They put on old clothing, worn out sandals. They sprinkled dust all over themselves and prodded with the saddles on their camel, camels uh, fastened together with rawhide thongs. And, oh, they came limping into the camp of Israel. It's obvious these people have been on the trail for months. Oh, terrible. And uh, they told Joshua and the children of Israel that we've heard what Jehovah is doing. Ah, oh, they love this and, you know, wanted to be a part of that. They shared their food with them. Oh, they had brought old molded bread. And Joshua looked at that bread. He saw their sandals. He said, Joshua, talk to God. No. He was governed by what he could observe with the physical eye. Made his decision based upon material things. Made a covenant with them. God has strictly forbidden Israel to make a covenant with any of the people in that land. They couldn't kill them. Or made slaves out of them, but they had to preserve them. And later on, fought for them. Say, one time, just one time, failed to call upon the Lord. It's amazing what can happen. What did you say, Paul? Pray without ceasing. Keep him in your heart and in your mind continually. Don't allow circumstances to rob you of the source of your happiness and joy. I know. Stay focused. Yeah, focus. That's something, isn't it? Now I remember the Apostle Peter. The Lord had fed the 5,000 sent his disciples away across the little lake of Genesaret. Sent the multitude away, went up into the mountains to pray, and uh, man, strong wind began to beat upon the Sea of Galilee, and that boat is shipping water. And they're rowing hard, doing no good. But the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came walking on the water. They thought they were seeing a ghost. They cried out, they were afraid. Jesus said, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Hello. There's a storm going. Wait. What is he saying to you and to me? Friend, in the most severe storms of life. I mean, when things are the most negative and it's the darkest hour you can imagine. What did you say, Lord? Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Oh, I need to learn that lesson. I need to understand that. Now you remember old Peter always had to have something to say to the Lord. If it be thou bid me come to thee upon the water, Jesus said, come. The big two-fisted fisherman stepped down from that boat and began to walk on the water. We don't say enough about that. Oh, but verse 28 of Matthew 14 says, when he saw the wind, obviously the effect of the wind upon the waves, he began to sink. What happened? He took his eye off the only goal worthy of human consideration. You do that, you will sink every time. I don't care what this material world has to offer. I don't care how alluring it may be. What may draw your attention. Keep your eye on the Lord or you will sink. Set. Pray. Pray without ceasing. Well, that's vital to the Christian's welfare, to the maintenance of faith. But you know, he said that, seek, and you shall find. 
that's uh, that's planning. Planning, according to Webster, is an orderly arrangement of parts of an overall design or objective. Are you aware that as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, we are in the biggest, most important business in this world? Nothing is equal to the business, the work in which we are engaged. One of my life was going to be passed. One of us done for Christ for life. The biggest business of the world? And friend, we need to be making some plans. We need to know where we're going. We need to set up an arrangement in five years. It's not too long. Break that thing down to three-month uh, envelopes. Come together and check uh, on your progress. If we do as we've done in this three months, will we arrive at our goal in five years? We need to be orderly in this thing. The wise man said, did he not? The Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there's no vision, the people perish. Well, then we need to be busy. I talked about the biggest business in the world. Have you ever really considered the inestimable privilege and the value of membership in the body of Christ? I remember that Jesus made a statement relative to John, Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. He said, a man born of woman, there's none greater than John. Now I understand that John came for a single purpose, never did anything else, gave his whole life to the accomplishment of that which God commanded him to do. Now that's smart. A man born of woman, there's none greater than John, but he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I'm careful, I'm not even committed. Position. There is no higher position to which humanity may arrive, arrive than membership in the body of Christ. The very zenith of human achievement is to become a qualified elder in the local congregation of the Lord's Church. That's as high as humanity can rise. If we had one world government, you were elected president, you're nothing compared to a qualified elder of the local congregation of the Lord's Church. The biggest, most important business on earth, the Church of Jesus Christ. Souls are at stake. Eternity lies before us. And we can't even encompass the concept of eternity forever. And uh, you can't cease to be. You're made in the image and the likeness of God. And most people are lost. That, that is tragedy beyond description. A million years from right now. Still screaming in agony. Ten million years from right now. A hundred million years from right now. Eternal! We need to be busy. We are the only people that will set forth the truth that makes men free. We need to do that in our thought, our speech, our conduct, our action. We need to give ourselves in service to our fellow man. Indeed, that's sin. Need to know where we're going. We don't need to be like the kid that moved into a village and uh, it turned out the railhead came together there. He'd always loved trains, and this thing just fascinated him to death. Every spare minute he had, he's down there watching that engine. I couldn't know 
car, go to sidetrack, and come back with that turn style, lift him up, turn him around, put him on another track, off another group of cars on the side. It just thrilled him to death. One day he was down there, four sets of shining rails ran into this town. And he's down there one day, and there's an old gentleman standing there. He said, sir, he said, could you possibly tell me where these rails go? The old gentleman expectorated about a half pint of beer, switched his hood from one jaw to the other, cleared his throat. He said, son, man and boy, I've been in these parts for more than 60 years. And he said, they ain't never gone nowhere. He said, they've been laying right there the whole time. If somebody came into this community and observed, maybe a week or two, you come in on Sunday and Wednesday night, and you're here a couple of times on the Lord's Day. So I just asked a citizen out here in the community, who are these people? I mean, what are they doing? What do they hope to accomplish? Where are they, where are they going? What hope would the citizen know? Yeah, we make sure that everyone understands while we're here, what we're trying to do. Oh, so we need to, to make uh, some plans. As uh, design some people responsible for areas and uh, portions of that plan. Keep up with it. Biggest business in the world. And you know, you can hire groups uh, in various places to come in and do a survey of your community or any segment of it that you want them to survey. And I mean, they do a good job. They're experienced in this thing. They can tell you the name, the address, the religious affiliation, the occupation, and they even know the name of the dog in most families. I mean, and they can do that thing thoroughly. And they come in and throw that portfolio on your desk and there it lies. And there it lies. And there it lies. Plans don't work at all. People work plans. Oh, we need to understand. I picked that thing up, found out what they learned, and based on that, then we become active and, uh, and busy. You know, I heard a preacher one time introduce a visiting preacher. They've been to college together, they were good friends. And I believe that visiting preacher was from Arkansas, if I remember correctly. He gave a glowing introduction, oh, but he terminated with this statement. He said, there's only two things wrong with this man. He said, one is he won't work in the garden. And he said, the other is he won't work out of the garden. <laughs> and that described me. I mean, we need to, to think about this thing. I need to be active in the Lord's work. You know, I suppose there's never been a time in the history of the world or the church when we had more missionaries in more countries than we do presently. And may their tribe increase. They're doing a wonderful job, but that won't get the job done. Oh, sir. Ah, yes. Organized mission work versus spontaneous mission work. But if we had in mind the value of human souls, if we had a genuine love for men and women, 
many people we get informed. Oh, you may not convert every person you talk to. No, sir. Can't be done. Out of the question. Some people just won't listen. They won't hear. Oh, but that's up to them. We have a task to perform. You remember Isaiah chapter 6, do you know? Isaiah found himself in the divine presence and he was afraid. He said, I'm a man of impure lips. He's afraid he's going to die. But an angel took the tongs and took a coal from the altar and touched his lips. And he heard God saying, Who shall we send? Who will go for us? Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. That's a good attitude, I'll tell you. And God explained to him, You go tell these people, and he, and I'm paraphrasing, but he explained, They won't hear you. They, <clears throat> Oh, Lord, <laughs> you know, if, if they won't hear me, there's no use me going and trying to tell them, look at me, boy. That's what my dad used to say. I'm talking to you. You go and tell them. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. Wait a minute. What, what, do, you, what do you mean, Lord? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So I said, well, hey, you just have a small number, small percentage. I mean, it's just almost go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What he does with it's up to him. But what you do has to do with your eternal destiny. I've given you a charge. Do it. Oh, God wants all men to have the opportunity to hear the truth. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's kind of like that uh, thing of, uh, of planning, you know. Yeah, people today say, well, uh, preacher, <laughs> I mean, due to the thinking of the populace generally, there's, you, you can't make plans today uh, in, in the church. I mean, they just, you just can't determine what you're going to do and how large you'll be in five years. Just, one ship drives east and another drives west with the self-same winds that blow. There's the sail of sail. Not the gale, but the way they go. As the winds of the sea are the winds of fate as we journey along through life, it is the will of the soul that determines the goal, not the calm or the strife. Do it, and God Almighty will take care of the rest of it. Just like old Gideon, Judges chapter 7, God reduced his 32,000 fighting men to 300. <laughs> Impossible. As a matter of fact, the Australian plane was covered. You couldn't even see the ground. Every man armed to the teeth, qualified in carnal combat. Man, they had hundreds of chariots. They had... The battle belongs to God Almighty. You just do what God tells you to do. It'll work. It'll work. All the honest hearts out of which the seed of the kingdom falls will respond. And if you work a lifetime and convert just one precious soul, you have got a tremendous work. I ask, I need to do what the Lord tells me to do. I need to be busy in this thing of uh, mission work. But you know, <clears throat> there are a number of reasons why people do not participate in mission work. I'm talking good people, best people in the world. Faithful, always in the assembly, present, but we're not getting the job done in the community. Why? 
Well, one of the reasons why people do not participate in local mission work is fear. Now, I understand that. I grew up shy, bashful, backward. I couldn't even eat with my best friend. My eyes were water, my nose were gone. I mean, they just hit me. And when company came to our front door, I grabbed my red lighter BB gun and hit it for the bitches. So I, I just backed Then I got over a little bit of that in the Navy, didn't completely master it. Got out and married the finest girl in the world. I had to help me some. I got... But the Lord sent us to school with Uncle Sam paid for it, but uh, the second year we were there, I think I talked to somebody about this uh, last night, but anyway, second year over there, for the Ed Hope, one of the finest men I've known, uh, he taught New Testament and knew it from the inside out. He said, James, I have an appointment to speak two weeks from Sunday in Ebenezer, Alabama. When I got up off the ground, I said, me, 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 I, I, I preach to, oh, well, I had nightmares. I remember some of them. I remember one of them was standing up before a thousand people or looked down and didn't have a pants on. I waked up in a cold sweat. And another one was a thousand people in the audience, they'd been there for an hour. They're shaking their watches. I'm standing up here behind the curtain. I can't think of the first word to say. I, oh, and anyway, I did up about four and a half hours of material, according to today's standards. In 17 minutes, I've said everything I could think of. <laughs> 17 minutes. I understand about you. Matter of fact, we have some Bible characters. Have that same problem though. Yes. Uh, you remember when God said to Moses, You go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Now that's paraphrasing, but essentially that's what he could do. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you won't listen to me. I've been in a wilderness 40 years, Lord. I mean, who am I? Tell Pharaoh? Listen to me, boy. Lord, send by him whom thou wilt. I'm of a stammering tongue and a slow speech. Who made man's tongue? Or made him able to speak? Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Did a good job, didn't he? He had to overcome some fears. I understand that. Man, out of the wilderness for 40 years and stand in the presence of Pharaoh, one of the greatest lands on earth at that time. And this is the king. Let my people go. Work. Say, when you do what God said, He works it out so that it always turns out in a productive way. We need to overcome our fears. No, really, fear of the Lord's work is a lack of faith. Now, what we said already, we understand that to be true. If He is all powerful, and He is, if He's all knowing, and He is, if it's everywhere all the time, and he is, then what do I have to fear? He knows I don't want anything. I'm a simple. I may be his child, but I'm a foolish child. He understands that. He knows me better than I do. Do what I tell you. Well, he can make it work through a simple Even in the presence of a king. Do it. When we 
appeared to do the Lord's work was like faith in him. The battle belongs to the one. I can never win it on my own. So I need to do what he would have me do. And then another reason why people don't participate is a lack of knowledge. You know, we're not reading and studying the Bible as we should, really. I think we know it the other night, no man can come out of me except the Father that sent me to draw him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. It's written in the prophets. They shall all be taught of God. He therefore that hath heard from the Father and hath learned cometh unto me. John chapter 6, 45. Oh, then I need to study God's word. Put these things into practice. No, no. I won't learn it all, even in a lifetime. Oh, but I'll learn enough to tell somebody else about what I know. If I'm a Christian, I know what I need to become a Christian. Oh, I don't know what it takes to draw me to that point. And if you didn't finish the first grade, you know, a lot of other people didn't finish the first grade. No matter what level of maturation or even education you may be, there are thousands of people in this world with the same level exactly. Yes, God can use every one of us in his service, and we need to be busy. Yes, sir, we need to study this book and then do our best to share it with others. And then, of course, there is the problem of indifference. And I don't know what you do with indifference. There are good people, even in the church, good people. They help you in the way they can, but when it comes to the work of the Lord, uh, the dissemination of truth, uh, the sharing of the good news of the gospel, they just don't uh, involve themselves. They're, they're not interested. They just don't do indifference. I, I don't know what to do about that. I, I remember years ago, we lived in Chattanooga, held a meeting in Nashville. <clears throat> on my way back home, hot summer day, down over 41. And that was on the day when they had those prefab buildings, you remember? The B. Lloyd was one of them, Stuckey's was one of them, and uh, generally longer than they were wide, and sold about everything you can imagine in there. And it was about the time I stand up to meet and talk about all the orange juice you can drink for the dime. Well, it was a hot day, and I came up on this thing, saw the sign at a distance, all the orange juice you can drink for the dime. I thought, Stop giving me some of that cold orange juice. And I found out right quick all the orange juice you can drink for a dime is in that cup. If you want another cup, pay another dime. <laughs> so I had my orange juice, but when I went into that building, on the right side, there was a device from the front to the back made out of pieces of wood. Well, I got my orange juice, and there was a sign up there at the end of that thing on the wall. Professor Gizmo, he carved all of that by hand, put it together, and that thing was running front to back. I mean, every piece of it moving. It was amazing. I sidled up to a very old big boy, and I said, uh, what does it do? He looked like he wanted to step on me. He said, it runs. And that sign, it said 750 pieces hand-carved wood. And all it does is run. There's a conference, one thing, just one. I thought, how much like the church? 750 pieces, all it does is run. No, it didn't. 
that's not like the church. Oh, we've got a lot of good. That may be like me. I need to kind of evaluate my situation uh, on that score, but uh, uh, that's not the church as such, but it could be. And that is the problem with the indifferent folk within the church. They come, they take the Lord's Supper, they sing the song, they go, but they're not involved in the Lord's work, one way or the other. Indifference. That's refreshing. Think about it. What assurance do I have? Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. We need to be positive in our determination to walk with the Lord, to do His will in this whole negative world. It's a wonderful privilege, and it brings a happiness and joy to the heart of humanity that simply cannot be properly described. Are you here tonight and not a Christian? You believe in Christ as the Son of God? Why not make up your mind that you're going to make that faith a reality? Turn away from the practice of sin. Confess his name before men. Be buried with him in baptism. Changes your life eternally. Raise a new creation to walk in newness of life. Because the old man of sin is gone. If you are a child of God, you need the prayers of the saints. Why not tonight? Why not come? Make your wishes known. But together we stand and sing.